Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Hey, Sue. Oh, hi, Andrew. I didn't know we were starting right in. We are starting right in. Fantastic. Yeah. Always glad to have you here with me. Oh, yeah. This is great. And today I'm especially excited because we are going to be talking about a topic that doesn't always get talked about in this particular way. The topic is fantasy. Ooh, okay. And you and I know that that back in the day, Fantasy by Earth, Wind, and Fire was a popular song that... Uh, I that, was going to belt out a few measures, but I just totally held back. Like for the sake of all of our ears. I was waiting for the, me- the the song to just come right out. It but, is a good song. But here we are. And, you know, I, I, I think that actually the song at the time when it came out really spoke to me because fantasy has always been a really important survival strategy for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're going to be talking about is is how fantasy can work for us rather than work against us. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how did your blueprint of fantasy uh, show up in your childhood? Well, before I get to my childhood, which is a very long story, of course, (laughs) I just want to say that, as you know, I've I've been a member of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous for many years. Mm -hmm. And so in programs, sometimes fantasy gets lumped into a category of something to overcome or something that's really a problem, right? Uh, okay. And and actually, in my opinion, there there is no right or wrong or good or bad about fantasy itself, okay? Do you think sometimes they do that because they feel like it's a lie? Does it fall under that umbrella or is it just not being honest? I, I think it, it has to do sometimes with lying, but it also has to do with obsession okay. and getting lost in fantasy. Yeah, and okay. and so we could talk about that angle today, but I'm going to talk about something else because um, I think what doesn't get talked about is how fantasy can really work for us, right? One thing that about my childhood is that, as I've talked about before, I had a complicated childhood and fantasy was actually a way of coping, mm-hmm. right? It was a way of navigating all of the challenges and craziness in, in my home at the time. And, and to navigate the, the different types of trauma that, that I experienced. So instead of focusing on how fantasy is a problem, I just want to share more about how it really was something that was a cushion, actually, that, that allowed me to land somewhere. And part of that has to do with imagination, right? A kid is imaginative. Sure. I mean, hopefully they haven't had yeah. beaten out of them or told that they can't be imaginative. It's a big part of like preschool and pre-K when I was a teacher. Like we had a fantasy corner. 
<laughs> set up for kids for fantasy play. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and as a mom, I'm sure you encouraged fantasy and imagination for, for your kids as well. Because yeah. I know they're both in their 20s now, but they're imaginative and, and very creative people. Well, yeah, because it gets squashed. It does. It does. And, and the problem about that is fantasy and imagination is really part of our li- aliveness, mm-hmm. right? And when there's messages along the way that there's something wrong with it or there's something wrong with you, which are shame messages, of course, that's when it gets pushed aside as something that you're not supposed to uh, immerse yourself in or you're not supposed to, to spend time in. Right. Which is so sad. I but mean, then when that happens, sometimes don't people take that road because it's, you know, not the right thing to do. So then it becomes like a bad behavior almost that you think you're being sneaky or whatever. So it gets like that whole shame, like you said. Yeah. So that's how that gets created in um, people's brains. It's interesting how that all works. Yeah. I, I suppose it's like anything, like if we're given some reinforcement and some love and some um, permission to allow ourselves to be imaginative, it grows, mm-hmm. right? And if we're told to to stop that or that's not okay or or that's unacceptable, it, it like you said, it squashes it. So, so let me share a little bit about what I went through okay. because, you know, all the way back, to being a little kid, on some level, I always knew that I was different. But at the same time, I worked really hard to conform. So this might sound upside down, but my conformity was a fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Right. And and then when I finally came out many years later as a gay man, I, I was able actually to feel more free. But But conformity was part of my fantasy world, mm-hmm. right? I tried so hard to be a good little boy and do all the heteronormative activities and and wear heteronormative clothes or whatever that is, whatever that means. So in addition to that, I I was also, I was glued to the television. I mean, is that something that was part of your childhood as well, Sue, or not not as much? Um, If it was allowed, I probably would have been. Um, Um, But yeah, we weren't really allowed to watch TV. Oh my gosh. I was given carte blanche to watch tv like all the time from the time i got home from school till the time i went to bed i would do my my homework in front of the tv it was really bad habits but the the point that i'm making is that at the time and i'm going to date myself here the brady bunch on friday nights Mm -hmm. the original brady bunch (laughs) um love boat on saturday night Mm -hmm. eventually happy days on tuesday night those were my shows, right? And, and lots of other shows too. MASH, All in the Family, Mary Tyler Moore, you name it. But, but what was really amazing about that for me was I lost myself in those television shows and those characters. Mm-hmm. I was so enamored with them. And, and so television was one of my places for fantasy and, and, and imagination. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, and I don't know if this was your story either, but I also got lost in video games. Was that your thing? Yeah, or? so that was more of my thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was only allowed when my mom wasn't around, but my dad and I would 
enjoy video games together. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I well, think a teenager, I, I guess. Yeah. Even more so. Yeah. Sure. I, I think because I was the fourth of four boys, they didn't, they, they saw me as being very well behaved. So <laughs> I would go up to the local bowling alley and go to their arcade and play video games for hours. Wow. Yep. You know, of course we didn't have the internet or things like that at the time, but, but at the time, things like Ms. Pac-Man and, mm -hmm. and Asteroids and Galaga and, and lots of other things that were so um, full of imagination and and mindlessness in a way. Right. But so stimulating, right? Yeah. I got so stimulated by getting the points and by being uh, some kind of, of champion. Yeah, but, you get to put your name in a machine. That's yeah, right. That was a big goal to do. Yeah. Exactly, right. exactly. And... Fast forward, I then, as a teenager and young adult, got hooked on anonymous sex, mm -hmm. right? And that was probably the greatest um, example of getting completely lost, where my brain, my little brain or younger brain got hijacked, and and I was lost in the fantasy of, of being desired, being seen, um, being on the hunt for just the right, right sex partner or whatever that was. And so that kind of fantasy was was absolutely intoxicating for me. I guess it turns on your adrenaline a little bit. Too, oh, my gosh. Right? So you have like hormones and just raging throughout your body. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was my drug mm -hmm. at the time. And at the same time as that, I, I was also looking for love in all the wrong places, right? I was seeking the fantasy guy. Right. And at the time I was seeking the fantasy guy who would rescue me from my misery. So it's complicated because on the outside, I kind of looked like I had it together, sorta. <laughs> what, what do you think? Because we went to college together, so. Did I look? Uh, you absolutely had it together. Yeah, <laughs> you appeared to. Yeah, yeah. 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 But as you know, that there was that double life, right? Where on the one hand, maybe I looked like I had it together, but underneath there was that undercurrent of misery. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was really into the fantasy again and again and again of, of finding the right person who would make my life better. Rather than feeling whole in myself, I was looking outside myself. So the double life really is... The fantasy, right? The part of me that was sort of living half in reality and half in fantasy. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So is that a isn't that example of love addiction? Well, the funny thing about love addiction, and we've talked about that on our podcast before, is that love addiction really isn't about being addicted to love. It's about being addicted to the fantasy of love. Okay. And so, yes, absolutely. I was absolutely stuck in the loop of the fantasy of what I thought love was all about. And I would be in this cycle again and again and again and again. I was a serial dater. Mm -hmm. I was a serial seeker and nothing ever worked out. I mean, I think for years, the longest relationship was maybe three or four months. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was something that, that was all based in fantasy and, and not being grounded. And, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting because I also want to say that this idea of love addiction, and I, I kind of wish there was a different term for it, 
to tell you the truth, because it really is about deeper attachments Mm -hmm. and deeper longings. And, and so, you know, in, in my family, I think we loved each other, but we had no clue how to love each other. Mm -hmm. And so we were in this really hollow place that we called home and it was just not satisfying because we just didn't know how to be close with one another. So our longings for closeness and, and feeling seen and heard and understood were never fulfilled. Do you think that was the same for everyone in the family or different people could react differently to being in a family like that? It, it's hard to say. I, I think the dynamic of my particular family was based in generations of really not knowing how to love. I mean, it's it's very sad, but I think it, mm. it, it I call them the generational hand-me-downs. And my grandparents were good people. My great-grandparents were good people. They came from Europe and settled in New York and did all that hard work. But their their work ethic was really what their life was all about. And, and even my grandmother, thank goodness, was a source of love for me, mm-hmm. unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. Um, so I did have that that bright, shining star right. that... that kept me company as a kid it was out there somewhere exactly exactly so back to the longing yeah and and there's there's people in my family today that are i've worked on issues of intimacy and love and 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 having the kind of satisfying relationships that of course we all seek and so nowadays i i have my fam few family members and family of choice including you um, who have been the sustenance mm-hmm. for, for me to, to, to move forward um, beyond fantasy, if we want to call it, right. call it that. So what exactly is healthy or sexual or romantic fantasy? It's a great question. The reason that I, I wanted to talk about this today is that I'm leaning more and more into a sexual health model and a sex positive model and a romance positive model Mm -hmm. so that instead of calling fantasy a problem let's look at how it can be an attribute right not that people um there are folks who really hit bottom with their romantic fantasies and i was one of them Mm -hmm. back in the early 90s but there's also this possibility of fun right mm-hmm. fun sure liberation expansiveness and pleasure right and it doesn't matter whether it's in the privacy of your own home with yourself or with a consenting partner or partners but but we're really talking about building the the capacity to to play in fantasy and then to return to real life again so if we can dabble and have fun and enjoy that fantasy world, whatever that might be, sexually or romantically, mm-hmm. that's the imaginative, creative part of us. And then how can we have the capacity to come back to our real life, our grounded self, and and know that both are available to us at any given time? So question for you. Okay. Do you think that that people in general have open honest conversations about their fantasies no 
And I know you talked about this before in the past on one of your podcasts about how difficult it is in our country and our society to have pleasure. Right. Like that's like looked down upon. That's not talked about. There's no communication about it. So, um, yeah, no, I don't think people have open conversations about fantasies. Yeah, it's it's really a sad reflection on American culture. Mm. I can't speak for every other country because there are some countries that would have a much different conversation about this than, than we are right now. But fantasy somehow gets brushed under the rug or or even called taboo, right? That it's not something we talk about, right? right? It's It's something that you keep behind closed doors. And that seems very much like a setup to me because it's compartmentalizing a really vital and alive part of each of us. So, so like we talked about previously, it, 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 it comes from the puritanical fumes of the past and the Puritans, you know, meant well, I suppose at the time, very rigid with their roles and their, their ways of, of, of living in their communities. Um, but it, it seems to be a barrier, you know, a barrier that, that, gets in the way of, of being fully ourselves. And if there's one thing that I'm talking about today and in general is that I personally and with my clients and with my friends like you encourage you to be absolutely fully yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we're editing or censoring or, or compartmentalizing or, or living a double life, there there's something very painful and at times like, a, a, a heartache that goes along yeah, with that. Things get lost. Yeah. Yeah. They do get lost. Yeah. It's hard to really have those conversations. Um, but I think they're in everyone's best interest and when you can and to open that door and just explore it and see where you can go with it. That's right. And and that's the whole thing. It's about exploration and it's about curiosity. Mm-hmm. And it's about considering the possibilities, right? We're not we're not dictating this is the, the fantasy <laughs> world to to go to, but more about allowing the conversation, the honest conversation, to happen. And in in twelve step terms, what we sometimes talk about is living life on life's terms, right? And the life, the inner life inside of us, is is so integral to having a, a dimensional and um, full life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we can accept ourselves fully, if we can accept others for exactly who they are at any given moment, if we can accept our circumstances for exactly who and what they are at any given moment, that's to me a practice. That's like a daily practice. Right. The, the acceptance prayer and in, in the AA big book talks a lot about that and sometimes i I think about the big book in conjunction with some buddhist ideas Mm -hmm. that really complement each other quite beautifully and 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 then of course you know how can you and i how can our listeners create more opportunities 
right? More opportunities to have sexier, fun, intimate conversations with those we trust, right? I call them the emotionally reliable people. How Mm -hmm. can we really, like you and I, how can we take this podcast and and have a heart to heart about what's going on inside of us and and from time to time you and i have these conversations mm-hmm. and maybe i'm inviting you for another one okay. as we're speaking <laughs> what, what do you think about that um it's just being vulnerable you know yeah. and um there's sometimes when that's easier than others depends on what's going on and personally speaking um but yeah, I think if if you can if you know you have a s- safe space and I really don't like using that word mm-hmm. either but um with a friend that you can confide in and mm-hmm. get feedback and kind of go back and forth and make almost light of it, you know, and explore your fantasies and it's exciting to think about that you might possibly be able to open up and do that. But it is putting yourself out there. So it is important like you say to have those people around you where you there there's no judgment there's nothing like that it's just going to be fun and imaginative and yeah no i love what you said about keeping it light because Mm -hmm. it can be burdensome right it can be heavy and it's not meant to be right so to allow ourselves to be more vulnerable and and take some emotional risks i know for instance, in our relationship, that's really what I count on because it helps me feel closer to you. Mm-hmm. And we get to have these heart-to-hearts that that are really meaningful and that soften my heart. And and part of my recovery is, is about lightness and ease and heart softening. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the direction that I, I, I see us going with this particular topic, which which again, we're not talking about the folks who are really suffering out there today we're talking about folks who are a little more advanced in in their recovery and their willingness to explore this particular topic of fantasy and imagination in in a in a way that can be very heart opening so that feels like a place for us to end for today Mm -hmm. and as always Thank you for being here, Sue. That was great talking about this. And I'm thinking about all these fantasies now <laughs> that I want to explore a little more. Me too. And and my, my fantasy is that we will continue this conversation beyond this podcast. Okay. Cool. Deal. Look forward to it. <laughs> Me too. Thank you for listening today. It was terrific sharing this time once again with my colleague and friend, Sue Merlino, and discussing this really vital topic that affects those affected by a compulsive sexual behavior. Please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are topics you would like us to discuss in the future, just let us know. I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts, and thanks again for being with us today.